All right, is everybody good? Yeah. We have a treat this morning. Last Sunday, um, as we were sort of doing around and getting ready to leave, Christy came up and shared with me and Sister Janie about a particular area of Thanksgiving that she had because we were talking about Thanksgiving and stuff. And this is still Thanksgiving week. And I can, I can, it embraces a whole week, but it embraces 365 days, okay? So we're good here in terms of the theme. But as she was telling us and giving us this, this one particular area of grace that she had been thankful for, it just it kind of it kind of blew me away. And I asked her if she would share that with us today, and, and she has agreed to do that. And so uh, we want to ask Christy to come up and share with us what God put on her heart. And Christy, take all the time you want to and tell us about what's on your heart and about Jesus, and it's a great thing. Okay, yeah, y'all give her a hand. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just pray a minute and get my nerves out. Father, I just give you this time, and I just thank you for the opportunity to speak, and we just love you so much. You're so good to us, and I just do agree with Brother Keith that you're, all things are possible with you, Father. I just thank you for a place where we can come and get our faith stirred up, where we can um, cleanse ourselves from the doubts of the world that during the week, the fears and the doubt and the unbelief and the, the slime and the gunk and the jar- garbage that comes just from being in this world. We thank you for a place where we can come and just get renewed and refreshed and get our mind renewed and to think about you and that all things are possible with you, to think about your word, to think about your Holy Spirit, to think about what faith is and how to release it in the earth and how you've allowed us to be a part of that. And so today we just thank you for the opportunity to gather together in your name and release something in the earth just by us gathering together to release an incense to you, to release our faith towards you, our God, the one true God, to release our love, to release our faith towards others. And we thank you for what that does and when you give us a glimpse of what that does. So, Father, use me today as I boast about you and testify about your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, in uh, 1 Corinthians, it, I just want to read this. Where it says, um, God alone made it possible for you to be in Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made Christ to be wisdom itself. He's the one who made us acceptable to God. He made us pure and holy. He gave himself to purchase our freedom. And as the scriptures say, the person who wishes to boast should boast only of what the Lord has done. And so today we'll just boast on the Lord a little bit and what he's done in our lives. And, and I, in thinking about this, um, I, so many people's testimony crosses with my testimony. And you can't give somebody else's testimony, but it's, I just boast in what the Lord's done for me. And, and I can't. It's just amazing how many lives, uh, when you start thinking about um, what God's done, it's just incredible. So he was, Brother Keith last week said, this is a Thanksgiving message, 
And um, so I want you to be thinking of what you're most thankful for, you know. And so I just got my wheels turning over there. And just as I was sitting there, something kind of unfolded in front of me about God's redemption and in my life personally, in my family's life, and in Ken's life. And as I was sitting there, I just jotted down um, some things that happened in our family and kind of have a time frame, and it was just amazing to me. And I'm just going to uh, share a little bit about that. In Ecclesiastes, you know, um, we read this recently with the kids, and that there's a time for everything and a season, and I was telling my kids you know, we read that scripture, but there was a song. You remember that? For every season, for every season, turn, turn, turn. There's a reason, turn, turn, turn. And then they actually sing the whole scripture, a time to be born and a time to die and a time for war and a time for peace. And uh, I couldn't get that song out of my head the whole week we were reading that scripture. But just bring at the end of that scripture, um, it says in the New Living, in due season, God, let me, let me back up, says um, 15, Ecclesiastes 3.15, whatever exists today and whatever will exist in the future has already existed in the past. For God calls each event back in its turn. So that song is like turn, 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 you know, every season, turn, turn. And, and Ken's brother was our pastor for many years, and he preached that, our lives are like seasons, you know, and we go through these different seasons, and they seem eternal. If it's a bad one, you seem like, I'm going to be in this winter season forever. But it turns, and then there's a new season, and, and then it switches, and there's another one. And he said, you feel like you're going in cycle, but he, he, he had a neat take on it that it's, it's a different season but a new level. You know what I mean? Every time you go around, you feel like you're going through the same seasons, but it's not the same thing over and over again. You've grown. You learned something. You, you, you know, or you didn't, or you became more bitter. You either learned to be bitter or you learned to be better. I heard that before. But anyway, so I'm just going to talk about a few seasons of my life and um, his redemption, you know, how he kind of brought it all full circle. And um, um, I was thinking about... Um, I have two older brothers, and um, my, this is a 25th anniversary of my brother's death. He died of cancer at 33, and so I outlived him um, by 11 years, which is kind of strange. You know, when you got an older brother, he's always your older brother, you know. Um, 25 years ago, this November, he died of cancer, and he had it for nine years. We see all many miracles, you know, within those nine years. He had melanoma you know, which you can die in six months from melanoma. And um, so we saw many miracles. But in the uh, event of that cancer and, and the uh, season that my family went through, there were many miracles and many softenings of the hardest of hearts in my family. And that um, looking back on when you're going through it, you don't really see it. And as a child, you know, you think this will never change. And, um, but I saw things change, and I saw hearts change, and I saw salvations occur that I never believed would happen and occur. And um, so let me just back just up, up a little bit. Well, my testimony is um, 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 my family is from a small town in Eastman, Georgia, 
And um, just, I was raised there. But I have two older brothers, and they were raised in Atlanta. Well, my dad, from a small town, he had a lot of success in the, in the um, Georgia State Patrol. And he had a lot of uh, promotions and such and brought them kind of to the Atlanta area. And that's where my brothers grew up. And as success came, um, they, there was not a lot of God, you know, in the equation like, we all worship God, and, and or he's so important to us now. It wasn't really like that. I don't know that they were void of God, you know, but it just was not as important. And um, But they had financial success, and, and, and um, he was promoted and all this stuff. But no God, you know, and my brothers were a lot older than me, so I wasn't really raised with them, but no God in their lives. And uh, a lot of unfaithfulness in, in their family, and um, so... Um, just hardness of heart began to develop, you know, and, and, and it's, okay, I was thinking about this all in the night, how do you say this, how do you put your whole life in a little, little package and deliver it, but um, our family was so crazy without God, you know, without God, your family gets crazy, you know, <laughs> and our family just, you know, even if you have money, even if you have a good job, without the Lord, it's just, it, you know, it's not good anyway. It was just falling apart. But um, so my dad uh, moved my, me and my mom to Eastman, Georgia, and he stayed in Atlanta. And then my brothers no longer lived with me. And, and anyway, um, so um, alcoholism uh, got a grip in our family, and it was kind of like a generational thing. Um, my grandfather had suffered with it. And um, my dad had not always drank, but he had, um, he was very involved with Georgia politics, and he got involved in some um, politic, you know, some elections. And if you lose elections, it's just a huge letdown and depression. He got involved with some drinkers, you know, and for whatever reason, he began to drink, and it was a, just a demise for our family and their marriage and stuff. So, uh, okay, so we got a lost dad, you know, an alcoholic, and then my brothers lost. Um, well, when we moved to Eastman, which I was thinking about this, and as a little girl, you don't know the reasons why all this is happening. This was a convenient move, you know, for my dad. And um, But as God just turned that around eventually for our good, but, but um, okay, I want to hurry up and get to this point. Um, as we're in Eastman, my mom starts attending a spirit-filled Bible study. She gets spirit-filled and on fire for the Lord, and she begins a journey which extends to this day of prayer and faith and the love of God and the love of the Word and, um, you know, the Holy Spirit. She begins a path which all, you know, eventually, it wasn't an overnight thing, but eventually we all saw that her path was a good way to go, and we all have gone her way. Okay, so she starts this journey, and, and, um, um, and, okay, so not too long, um, after that, my, um, um, a couple of, one of my brothers, he felt like he was going down the path for alcoholism too, and he decided he would check himself in to a, you know, rehab place, and, um, and, and, and um, he did, and he, and it was a Christian place, and it still exists today up in North Georgia called, uh, um, I'll think of it in a minute, um. I'll think of it, but they, it's a Christian place, and he got on fire for the Lord, okay, and he's like 20, early 20s, just a few years older than Kaylin, and then my 
which that's a miracle itself, okay? That's the one, he's probably the first. He probably, my mom, and then he got born again. Okay, then pretty soon after, my other brother starts going to Mount Perrin in Atlanta. He gets born again and saved. And um, I think they might have been saved when they were little boys, but they weren't living for God, you know. Okay, then my brother got cancer. And like I say, at first, you know, it's just one of these, we'll have surgery, you know, it's not like life or death, you know. But over nine years, it became. But my dad is watching all this, and he's still hard, and he's still bound, and he's still, you know, just wreaking havoc. And um, But my mom, because of her newfound faith, you know, she just has a lot of love for him and a lot of grace and, and a lot of belief that he's going to uh, be touched, you know. And um, so... Um, all right, I'm going to switch from that to Ken's family, and I'm not going to tell all their testimonies, but around the same time, I just thought this was interesting how the two families intercepted. My mom and his mom are born again. They know each other because Ken's dad's from the same small town in Eastman, although we didn't, uh, he was raised here. So at the same time, around the same time, his dad is an alcoholic. His brothers are hellions. And um, he's not living for the Lord either, and he'll be a hellion coming up right after him. He's, like, behind him. But at the time, they're all singing in bars. How'd you like for your son to all? That's where their musical talent goes. They sing in the bars, and that is their professions. I mean, that is what they do for a living. So my dad and his dad would occasionally get together with other family members, and um, this is just one story I want to tell. Well, on St. Simon's, they were, the Bill and Parker were singing in the binnacle. And um, so my dad and his dad and Ken's uncles, they all like to get together down there once every so often and watch Bill and Parker sing. And um, so my mom and Ken's mom wouldn't go in because I'm little and Ken's about 16. He wasn't there at the time, but, you know, I'm about eight or nine. So they stood outside the binnacle and uh, prayed and agreed for the salvation of their sons that their sons would all get saved because my mom's got two that aren't living for the Lord. Dorothy's got two that aren't living for the Lord. Three that aren't living for the Lord. And, um, and four that aren't. None of them were saved. Four children that weren't saved and a sister. And they agreed, especially for those boys, that they would become saved and that they would be playing for the Lord. They would not play in bars, but they would play in church. Now, just think how far-fetched that was at the time. You know, now we say, oh, yeah. But at the time, that was very far-fetched. And um, so this is, um, okay, so I'll just get to the good part. Um, uh, their lives, and I won't tell their testimonies for them, but you should hear their testimonies. Bill, Parker, Ken, all of theirs. You should get them to write it down and come give it. And my brothers. But... Um, my brother got saved, okay, at some point after a couple failed marriages, alcoholism, just bound, Bill had got saved. And he'd been called at like 16, you know, by the Lord. He had an experience, but he just fought it for all those years. Now, we're talking 30 plus. He didn't get saved till he was after 30. He, he uh, got born again radically. And Bill's always done everything radically anyway. He radically led. He was so rebellious that 
he led a rebellion out of this high school when he was here. And he had, well, had a walkout. I mean, that's just how he always did it. Air Force, he just created a rebellion. Everywhere he went, he just rebelled. It was, you know, so for him to get born again, spirit-filled, and go into ministry school is huge. It's just a huge miracle. And then, uh, okay, so he went, and he starts writing letters to Ken and uh, ministering to Ken about salvation and everything. And his brother Parker, he starts writing letters and ministering to them. And I'm sure that the change was, like, you know, pretty amazing to them. Well, they both, Ken got born again, and then Parker got born again, left a lifestyle. He, all he had ever done is been the front man in rock and roll bands his entire life, and he was 38, Parker, 38. So you should hear that old testimony. So he got born again, spirit-filled, and they all, you know, kind of got away from their lives and pulled, and Bill had started a church on St. Simon's. And um, so that is bam, bam, bam. And his dad got saved, alcoholic, got delivered and saved. And then, okay, so that's that side of the family. Phyllis probably got saved at that time too. So that's all of them, four siblings and a dad, saved and pulled out of that, all those lifestyles at one time, kind of in one time, you know, period of, of years there, close. And then my family on the other side, my dad, Bam, delivered from alcoholism, had an encounter with God. I was the only one there with him when you had this encounter with God. I'll tell that testimony. And um, I just kind of had given up hope that he would never change. My mom, This is not like a year. This is my entire life. So I really thought he will never change, never. And um, But my mom never gave up. Anyway, he had an encounter with God. I was the only one there. And he came to my room and said, he never messed with me. He pretty much just stayed clear of me my whole life because I think he was just afraid he's going to hurt me or something. You know what I mean? He just kind of was there but never there. He came to my room and he said, I've got to get out of this house. And he's got his boxers on. I've got to get out of this house. Like, I don't know if the devil's here or God's here or what. You know, but i got to get out of this house and you got to come with me. And he grabbed hold of me like my arm and he would not let me go all night long hours and hours and we walked and we walked around the yard and we talked and I have never been this close to him in my whole life you know I live with him but I don't speak to him and I don't touch him and much less embrace arms with him and walk around in his boxer shorts all night long so we are just talking and walking and he said you got to go over there and get Mr. Ralph up he's a godly man and I need him and I'm like, no, no, Daddy, let's just keep walking. We're not going to go get him. And he said, yes, we need to go get him because we just need him. I just need him bad. Come on, let's go. And he was, I was like, I've never seen him before like this in my life. And uh, he talked me into knocking on this guy's door. So here we are in the middle of the night. He's in boxer shorts. We're knocking on this man's door. My dad needs you. And he's right here with me. He won't let me go. He, we need you to come out here and walk with us. And so he's on one side of Daddy, and I'm on the other side of Daddy. And we walk around the yard all night long. And the sweet man, just a sweet patriarch in the Baptist church, just walked and, and, and just walked. And um, we didn't really prostitute. What are you going to You know, we didn't really preach or pray or anything. We just, it was like God was doing something, and I, I can't explain it to this day. We just walked for hours and hours. And then finally... He let Mr. Ralph free. He let him go home hours later, and we could sit down finally outside, not inside, because 
Something was in there. Was not good. Something was in there. So, uh, <laughs> and I don't know. I can't explain it to this day what it was. But anyway, so we sat down, and he said, call your mama. My mama's parents lived in Atlanta. He said, call your mama and tell her I have never needed her before, but I need her now. <laughs> How you like that one? <laughs> never needed her before, but I need her now. And all her words that she wants to say to me, I would like to hear them. <laughs> so I called Mama, and this is about daybreak. I said, I don't know what's happened. I said, but Daddy said he has, he's never needed you, but he needs you now. So you might better come down here because I don't know what's happened. Some sort of, uh, I don't know. I couldn't explain it. So she called a Christian psychiatrist because he thought he was losing his mind. I think, you know, he didn't know. And um, he, he, she called, she had it lined up already, you know, like a Christian psychiatrist from Mount Parent, somebody in Atlanta. And so when she got home, he took a shower. I don't know that he went in the house. I guess he went in the house to take a shower. And we got in the car and went to Atlanta to the psychiatrist. It was that freak out what happened. So because he was Christian, we just said, he had me go in there to try to explain it to the man what happened. I said, I don't know. You know, I, I didn't know what to explain, and Daddy couldn't explain it. Other than, looking back, um, I guess the, a deliverance took place, and it scared the bejeebers out of him. You know, some sort of, because he never drank after that, uh, never drank again. So some sort of wrestling over his soul was happening. You know, who can explain those kind of things? But it scared him so bad that, um, but it was ripped from him, and he never went back again so that was pretty awesome so I imagine a lot of things were who knows I don't know what happened but some sort of major deliverance happened that night for my dad in a new life and he never looked back and so that was huge in my life seeing that God can do that you know I thought that would never happen and um so that was major and um okay so my dad today, just to give you this testimony, he is, um, he, their marriage has been restored totally. And, um, you know, I left home, you know, in the next year or so after that happened. So, um, um, but anyway, there, he is living for the Lord and is a real giver in the body of Christ. And I think that God's given him the gift of giving and he fund, you know, he blesses the kingdom and in those ways and, um, okay. So anyway, it's just awesome how God brought Ken's family full circle, he brought my family full circle around, and then he caused us to meet, you know, miraculously, um, and, you know, just joined our families together, and it was all within a period, um, all these, I wrote down all their names, this is Dad, Dad, Mike, Jimmy, Parker, Bill, Ken, Phyllis, and myself, because I wasn't living for the Lord either, and, and we were just all brought in and just harvested in such a short amount of time, and I was really thankful for my brother because being harvest, you know, being brought in, drawn by the Lord before he died. I mean, he could have died, you know, unsaved, and so I'm so thankful for all of their salvations, and um, and I was thinking about all the accidents they walked out of, and he mentioned that last week about almost hitting a guy or hitting somebody, just how the guy was not dead, you know, and I was thinking my brothers and these boys have walked out of so many life and death situations before they were born again, you know, and that God delivered them from 
and he's just so good. So they're all living for the Lord now. Jimmy's with the Lord. My brother Mike is living for the Lord. Parker and Bill and Ken and Phyllis and me and dad and dad and mom and mom. And um, it's just a beautiful testimony of coming full circle, you know. And what a miracle. And we need to think about those things um, and remember them, you know, and boast on the Lord. And tell other people that he can uh, do these things. Um, so there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to rebuild, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak up, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And this stuck out this morning when you're singing, he's beautiful. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. And he's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I just felt like I was looking at, you know, a little bit of the scope of my life from beginning to, you know, the end and I can start seeing some things that I never could see before when you're in the middle of your life turning you don't see what he's doing but looking back I can see how he used my brother getting cancer and as it got worse and as we got desperate in our faith we started growing in our faith you know it caused us to dive in and what do we believe and we started um you know growing and being squeezed and growing, and we started turning, and then my dad was just coming right along in that area of faith and miracles and believing for healing and believing it's just part of our journey, you know? And you can't see it when you're in the middle of it, but it's just all happening, and my dad was just being pulled from hell right into eternity, you know? And not that God didn't want my brother to die, but he used it, you know? He used it to bring, he used it to, to uh, just do a work in all of us, you know. And um, there's so many reasons why all these young men and women got born again. Uh, there's so many seeds that were sown, so many people that were involved. And, um, but God, he, makes, he made it beautiful, you know, for its own time. And I want to read that again in uh, 14, that... Whatever exists today and whatever will exist in the future has already existed in the past. Because, see, it's already in the Lord's mind. He knows the beginning from the end. For God calls each event back in its turn. So I think he uses everything in our life for a reason. And one of the things that he uses all, you know, my heartache for is to counsel other people and to minister to other people. Uh, because if I hadn't gone through having an alcoholic dad um, or being lonely as a kid, being rejected, you know, by dad and men folks in my life, you know, and if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't know how to minister to other people. I'm not saying that he wanted that for me, but he uses that in my life because I sit across from women who are hurting, who are rejected, 
who are have had some sort of abuse in their life, and I can relate a little bit. I can't relate exactly, but if I hadn't had that, I would have just lived a, a life where I didn't need anything. Everything was always provided for me, and I wouldn't understand pain or or needing Jesus or, um, you know, so I'm thankful for what I've been through. And because I can also tell him that he is a deliverer, that all things are possible, that the hardest of hearts can be changed and turned, that alcoholism can fly out the door in one day, because I saw it. That hardened, you know, young men's hearts that were away from God can be turned in an instant, and they can be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and live a life for God. And, um, and that people who led rebellions out of schools can get born again and lead people like the Pied Piper to the Lord Jesus the rest of their life, you know? And people who sang in rock bands and were addicted to drugs and alcohol can get uh, saved and, and lead people in praise and worship. And um, so I've seen a lot of neat things happen, and I'm thankful for it because I can boast in the Lord, you know, from all our stuff. And we don't have as much, much stuff as some people, but that's where I want to turn my testimony from here till I die is just uh, turn it, you know, we'll end up boasting in the Lord. And even our current circumstances, um, we've been unemployed for several years, and we have lost, we had a beautiful home, and we lost it. We have two brand-new cars, and we lost them. We had to file bankruptcy, and we had set eight children, have eight children. And so this time of financial crunch and crisis I'm just already looking at it. You're not going to defeat us. You're not going to, we're not, you're not defining us. You're not defeating us. We will help other people in the middle of it. And when we get through, we will help other people. We will release our faith in it. We will see God move in it, through it, around it. Our children will be, uh, will grow up knowing that the hand of God, that it's God is our provider, not a job and not, um, anything else and they will grow up knowing that and I even though we're in the middle of it I feel that we're better off than some people and um, who don't have that hope and that faith because we will look at this from the other side and it will be one of those things in our life maybe we're going ahead of other people who are going to go through this and we're going to say you're going to make it um, he's been with us. He's been faithful to us. He'll be faithful to you. You're going to make it. The sun's going to come up tomorrow. You will not starve. He's faithful. He's going to bring you like George Mueller. He'll bring you bread and milk, sit down at the table and wait for it, you know. <laughs> and so who knows what God, how he's going to use all that he's using. But I'm thankful and I'm excited. I don't see it, but I know just like I can see half of my life, I know that he's going to bring it all full circle for the second part of our life. And we'll be able to minister from that place. You know, it's like Paul said, I've been abased and I've been abound. You know, I've been down and I've been up. And the Lord's the same, whether you're down there or whether you're up there. He's the same and he's able. And that's, that's my testimony. I'm sticking with it. Okay. <laughs>